I so value these conversations that I have with these amazing guests, especially Tom Hardison. He talks about using our skills as well as developing new ones. Now, there's a caveat there. He talks about sometimes when we have a strength or a superpower, we may at times overuse it and then it could be a detriment. <laughs> I am no different. <laughs> I am super organized. I am a busy bee. And yes, I get a lot done. I get results. On the flip side, it is a detriment. I never know how to slow down. I don't rest. And sometimes we need to take that time for us to energize for the work we want to do versus always being busy. Over time, it will detract from the great work that you do. So take a lesson from me. Look at your superpowers and just make sure you don't overuse them and also be open to exploring new ways, new skills that you can use for your career going forward. So it was an amazing interview. So grateful that I came to know Tom Hardison. Listen to this episode. You will come away with such amazing insight. Let's listen. I think it's a very candid conversation about where are they doing well? What are the strengths that they're building upon? And where might the overuse of those strengths be holding them back? And what are the new capacities that they're capable of developing? And the question is, are they interested? Are they open to it? Are they willing to experiment and develop new capacities? That's possible for all of us. I mean, we can rewire our neurology, and it takes intentional practice to do that in a safe, trusting, supported way. So if that environment is provided and people are invited into that, then it becomes their choice. Are they ready? Are they willing? Are they committed? And if not, then what's a better fit, which may not be in the company? Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I'm grateful you've joined me for another episode with an amazing guest who I get to share their insights and hopefully inspire you. And if you like this episode, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. We would love to spread the word. More downloads help us to continue to bring you great programming. And just know I help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And now I am honored to share the mic with my guest, Tom Hardison. Tom helps leaders build great teams and organizations with a culture of collective leadership so they can scale from 200 to 1,000 plus employees. He led change and business growth initiatives at Hewlett Packard for 28 years, a period when revenue grew from 5 billion to 127 billion. 
And now he uses his extensive experience to guide leaders and their teams to leverage the generative power of people working together to achieve sustainable growth. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. I'm excited to be here and I really appreciate you inviting me. I am thrilled for this conversation because when I was introduced to you and I looked at your talking points, it so resonates with me because I too work with small and medium-sized companies that need to go through some kind of transformation, whether it is a growth, increase their sales, a crisis, or maybe loss of leadership. I can drop in and help them and hopefully be in a better place than even when they were. So I love that. But your work is around rapid growth. And I think one of the things that's really important is we have amazingly talented companies and people on those teams. You've realized great success, but sometimes things change and the skills that we have now or the way we operate now may not serve us in the future. So I think it's so important. The work that Tom does can help those companies navigate those challenges. So Tom, would love for you to share a bit about yourself personally your career journey, and the work that you do now with my audience. Thank you, Deb. I was fortunate out of college to go work for Hewlett-Packard, which was in its heyday and just beginning to take off with the computer industry. The first personal computer had just been announced and shipped. And I feel dated. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) (laughs) And and dating myself as well. I I got to learn while Bill and Dave were still involved in the company, and they had built an amazing culture, the HP way. I got to be part of learning and then helping facilitate, as other managers did, the HP process of management course to really build a common aligned way of serving our customers, serving our stakeholders, and scaling the business built on teams. So the core value of the organization in the way Bill and Dave started was as partners working as a team to make something that made a difference in people's lives. And that was a magical experience for me to be able to learn through that period from them and from the other managers and and people around and go through an incredible growth in the tech industry history. And about 2010, I started to run into some challenges. One, there'd been so much change in the organization, a lot of acquisitions, that the culture had shifted in in different ways. And I was struggling to figure out how to be effective amidst those changes. And at the same time, my wife and I have four sons, and our youngest son was struggling in high school and dropped out. and. I didn't know how to help effectively help him be a better partner with my wife in figuring out what's going on. And so in 2012, when HP offered me the opportunity to go do something else, I decided it was really time for me to go develop what I was missing and figure that out. So I've spent the last 10 years learning through a variety of different programs learning with other leaders as a coach, and just sorting through what was I missing that got in my way that led to my being stuck, and learning how to deal with the circumstances I've now learned over over 10 years that are 
sons and got a different place in the neurodiversity perspective of life than than I have. And I was not open and aware of that and a much better place to be a, a good father and partner with my wife and with him. So it just has made my life dramatically different and helped me bring a different perspective to partner with the leaders I work with and the leadership teams I work with. So oh, such a story. And I've got like almost a full page of notes by now. There's so many things in there, but what? Okay. So, so this happened, the culture changed and I too had an opportunity to change direction and move in a different direction. But when you said during this time of like reflection and develop what I was missing, what do you mean by that? What was, what was missing for you and what, what did you come up with? And maybe that's some of the things that you like to talk about. Because sometimes for my listeners, we need those pauses, those jolts, those extreme situations, hopefully not too life impacting, where then it go- takes us to a place of reflection. So what was missing for you? Well, well, part of it was I was trained as an engineer, almost from birth from my my parent, <laughs> my dad, my grandfather. And it was about how to make things better, how to solve problems, how to make a difference and, and leave things better than I found them. And, and so I was very focused on problem solving and tasks. And I was less focused on the relationships and the capacity to collaborate. And I, I learned working with Bob Anderson and his model, the leadership circle, beautiful way of, of synthesizing that we all develop a set of reactive strategies and patterns growing up to deal with our caregivers, our teachers, our first bosses. And I had a set of patterns around driving for results, around needing to protect and back away and then be critical, which can be useful and when overused gets in my way. And wanting to make sure people were happy with the outcomes and when overused, I get too focused on making sure people, I'm pleasing people. And those combination of reactive strategies, when I overuse them, get in the way of my achieving the outcomes I wanted to achieve, get in the way of my building the partnerships that I want to have. And so what I've learned is to, they'll never go away. It's recognizing them, observing where I am in any given situation and saying, okay, I know I have these. Part of their value is getting my attention to say, you know, there's something I really care about. So I'm starting to react because I care about something and I have choice in how I respond. So what do I care about? What are the outcomes I really want to create in this situation with these people? And How can I partner with them in doing that? Because I only have my view and it's limited. And I really need to develop a broader perspective with other people to figure out what's going to be a meaningful difference for all of us, the stakeholders, customers, suppliers, partners, investors, employees, and the people I'm working with. How are we going to collectively create a better outcome? And I have a perspective and only a limited one. You know, what you said resonated with me so much. And I know I've met a lot of the listeners. So if you're listening today, thank you, because I have an audience 
of such tremendous subject matter experts, food safety, quality, manufacturing, banking people. There are so many very smart people. And what got them there or got them here today were all those qualities. I too, I'm an engineer. I'm a biomedical engineer. I am really good at organizing, setting agendas, herding cats, getting a result. But I had a manager early in my career. I had this agenda. I had a lot of senior leaders around me. I was responsible for getting through the agenda. And I was pushing to get through the agenda because that's how I judged a good result for me. I liked to control and and have control to get a certain result. And what he taught, he pulled me aside. He gave me some good mentoring. I often say I don't get mentoring. He did. He says, sometimes it's not about the agenda, but it's about having meaningful conversations and that discovery process. So if we don't get through the full agenda, it's okay. <laughs> and for a STEM professional who is very results-oriented, that was hard in the beginning. But one of the things I talk about in my book, and we're going to come back to you, <laughs> is in the CEO's compass, so often leaders focus on results when they really should be seeking peace of mind, which is more of an outcome. And to your point, you talk about, yes, we need to get results. We run businesses. But what do we really want to get out of this, whether we're dissenting views, there's a gap, we don't agree with each other. It's really about building that working relationship, if not now for this situation, but for the future. So I love that you brought that up because it's so important. Day to day, we'll get frustrated, not getting the results we want, but think about the bigger picture. What do I own? What do they own? What do we do to resolve this? So I appreciate you bringing that up about what's missing and what needed to evolve. But you talk about, I want to get into the things that you really are passionate about. You talk about generative leadership. Now, I think I know what that is, but I want you to just lay that out for our audience and what's important to you on that. Sure. What I experienced at different times in my career in different places and what I've experienced working with people is I can get so focused on the task. That's all that needs to get done. And it's getting the tasks done. And especially in startups that are growing and now are getting to the size of 200, the focus has been just getting to that state of that stage of growth and making sure all the right things are happening. What we miss is as organizations grow, what they become more complex because each person is a complex adaptive system. I'm just beginning to learn how to manage myself some of the time. <laughs> And when you get 200 of us together and you get high achieving people wanting to make things happen, it's easy to get out of alignment. It's easy to not have an effective way of sorting through shared leadership, developing common objectives. So what I find with organizations, over-focus on task, as I've done repeatedly, without developing and generating the leadership capacity for the organization to scale, limits the organization. And it limits the leaders. It limits everyone around them. And so for me, a critical component that is what made Bill and Dave successful in growing HP from just the two of them to 80,000 people when I joined to 300,000 by 2011 was building a common leadership system that generated a consistent leadership approach within the organization. And that said, with four outside CEOs and lots of acquisitions, that culture got jostled around and changed. 
And still, the seeds of that culture are still there in the HP Enterprise and HP Inc. of today. One thing I learned from somebody is sometimes when you say common leadership, common language, common values, common ways of making good decisions, you've got to set the foundation. Because as you say, I know what it's like to get highly complex. I love working with companies that are like 25 to 100 people, great subject matter experts, a lot of agility, the ways of working, the culture is there. I have been in a startup. (laughs) When it gets a little chaotic, I was employee number 60. I left when we were 600. And they dropped in different leadership at different points in time. We That's how I got the drop-in CEO because it was that startup experience where you dropped in one leader that got us from 60 to maybe 200, helped us really get better processes. They built our confidence, but then they needed another level of leadership to take us IPO. And they brought those set of skills. So it's important to recognize that those skills that we had that got us there you might need different ones, either develop it within the leadership that you have, bring in new leadership. Or I love what you say is that, you know, preserve what you got and develop those systems and processes so that if one leader acts in one way over here, the other one acts similarly. And there is that steadiness as things just get out of hand. Yeah, it's building that. So to me, generative leadership is about the consistent practices that we commit to doing together that are going to make the difference in the organization. So those practices can be getting really clear about objectives, getting really clear about what success looks like, and then letting people go, figure out how to make it all happen. Aligning along the way is needed, but taking advantage of the leadership capacity that exists in everyone in the organization and inviting them to participate in creating the outcomes for the organization. So I'm curious though, as things grow, things are scary, things are changing. I'm just curious about what your perspective is. I know what I would do. (laughs) Some of the people that were founders, things are changing. They don't want to change. They're not sure how to change. They're resistant to change. And you need to grow the organization. I'm curious about what are your thoughts then to bring those highly talented people forward with a growing organization so they are adaptable and maybe successful in the future state when you go from 200 to 1,000? Yeah, I think it's a, a very candid conversation about where are they doing well? What are the strengths that they're building upon? And where might the overuse of those strengths be holding them back? And what are the new capacities that they're capable of developing? Mm-hmm. And the question is, are they interested? Are they open to it? Are they willing to experiment and develop new capacity? That's possible for all of us. I mean, we can rewire our neurology. And it takes intentional practice to do that in a safe, trusting, supported way. And so if that environment is provided and people are invited into that, then it becomes their choice. Are they ready? Are they willing? Are they committed? And if not, then what's a better fit, which may not be in the company? You know, this brings to mind what you're sharing with me, something I've observed in one of my clients that they're rapidly growing. 
And I see that the company is starting to outgrow the current capability of certain individuals. And I think they're collectively realizing that. And we want to preserve their knowledge. We want to pay respect to the human. They still provide lots of value. Having those conversations to treat them like a human and give them the choice in the matter is respectful. And to your point, if they decide not to be part of the organization, that's okay too, but it's by choice and having a respectful conversation. Now, in this particular case, we love what the person's doing. They can't quite develop the capacity to do the additional skills. So they're bringing in a junior person to support them and do those things that maybe they're good at that the leader is not. So collectively, we found a solution that pays respect to their strengths and some of their weaknesses. So there's always a way, I think, but it starts with us as leaders to have those intentional conversations, treat people with respect, because they'll remember that, because you never know where you may cross paths again. (laughs) And the example you just gave sets the culture. Is it possible that other people in the organization might feel that it's okay to, to not be perfect at everything and learn from that example just provided to the founder? And I think that's a beautiful way of of helping generate a leadership environment that makes it safe to learn and grow and not have to do everything. So Tom, you have a wealth of experience and I'm grateful that you've you've had these realizations and you've leveraged a great business model HP. I I know of many companies, I even one company I worked with the leader where we ultimately closed down the site, but they treated everybody with respect till the very end to minimize people leaving and even helping them with outplacement services, because ultimately it's it's preserving the human connection. You never know when you might need them again, and then they got your back and they'll be right there to help serve you. But you've been helping individuals and teams and companies for some time since you had the opportunity. What's an example that you have been asked to serve, to help, to guide? Where Where was the company at, and where did you help take them to so that they could realize that growth that they were looking for? Yeah, I think a a really good example, I'll give a nonprofit example. So they were very focused on in-person practices, everything they did from counseling services to providing that everything they did for all their stakeholders was in person. And they were in different fiefdoms. This this department managed their set of affairs very different from others. And there was very little interconnection. And then I was invited to start working with the executive director of the organization. And he was very focused on he needed to have all the answers to be able to to fix things. And he wasn't really engaging people in, well, okay, given the mission, how do we as a team start figuring this out together? And what can we learn from each other? And how do we leverage each other's strengths? And how do we leverage the perspectives that each of us have? And that was about nine months before the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, they had developed the capacity to be able to work as a team and completely flip their model from everything in person to everything virtual and be able to do that and expand their service capacity in a very challenging time. So that's the generative capacity of people working synergistically together 
and it's learning as a team rather than learning just as individuals. My focus was to help the leader begin that process with his team. This is so validating to a place where I was. I had acquired a team for which the first year they just still were not performing despite brute force and trying to build the team. And then they threw in an acquisition at us where I had to bring on two additional plants. And one of the things I realized is, okay, technically we can integrate them. We can start using the same procedures, put them on our ERP system, you know, get their names into our system so we can email them, all of that. But what they didn't, I, what I wanted to produce was something that was like, as you said, synergistic, that yes, we can bring a company on. But one of the things that came to me, and it's very similar to what you said with HP, was I created a framework of one where we were one team working in one way towards one goal. And in that came a set of shared values, shared language. And when I started treating them all as one team, like if you've got a skill over here, I'll move you over there. And they became very resourceful and depending on each other, because I as a leader have only so many hours, hands, what have you to solve those issues. But I leveraged the act of bringing on two additional sites for a total of eight as an opportunity to bring everybody together, get to know each other, get to know their strengths. And I'll tell you, magic happens. Despite integration, despite common growth, people find a way to work each other. Because I think it starts with just treating them with respect, asking them what their strengths are, and they'll get you through any change or transformation. To your point, I think having that common focus and shared purpose, the greater purpose that we're here to serve, is really powerful. That's why we have organizations, because it requires more than one person to to make it happen. And an analogy I I use often, if you you and I were to agree to build a house together, I imagine our views of what house might look like could be different. Absolutely. (laughs) In many ways. Yep. And and so what's really critical is not just agreeing on that objective of a house, but what does successfully building a house together look like, which is more than just the house and what that will look like. It's about what's our experience of getting from here to there. How do we learn together? How do we develop our capacity together? Ways of working, ways of communicating. Yes. How do we become better in the process? You know, it brings to me a thought, and I love that you bring that up. Sometimes like when people are going through a challenge or they're looking for a new job, starting a business, they got a new boss, and they always say, oh, I got to get to this. I got to get that promotion. I've got to work for that company. I've just got to get through this quarter. And it's very tactical and short-sighted. A lot of people that have just a higher level of awareness is like, oh, I learned so much in the process. Yeah, we got to the finish line, we got to high five, we met the objective. But I think people need to think a little bit different when you're going through some kind of challenge. Love the process, finding out how to communicate with people, finding out what makes people tick. That's the beauty because you get the result and it's done. (laughs) That's behind you. But those relationships that you have are forever, or at least for the near term. So love the process, not necessarily the result. This has been an amazing interview. The time has flown by, but what I, I, the thing that resonates with me, Tom, so much about this is that 
All of your aha moments are very similar to mine. When I was struggling either in corporate or when I was asked <laughs> to start a new venture with Illumination Partners, was just that time to reflect and realize what we're really meant to do. And I just turn to my listeners a little bit. If you've ever had a pause, take advantage of the pause. Don't be hurry scurry and just start getting into the saddle or something. Just take a moment, just reflect back on what are you good at? What are you too good at that might be holding you back? And then think about what do you want to bring forward? Because when you take that time, you never know, Tom, the work that you do to help organizations through change, as well as myself, is so invaluable. Any last thoughts or things that you want to share with our audience? Because I want people to know Tom Hardison and also check out your work. Two things. One is, I know from my personal experience that when I got to a place of feeling stuck, I felt very alone. And that can be a really hard place to be. And you don't have to be alone. There are lots of people that have had similar experiences that have helped others sort through what's meaningful and sort go through the process of the transition that we sometimes were not expecting and are now facing. Finding people to help and people to learn with and from made all the difference for me. And I just encourage people to reach out. And second, if you want to be able to reach out to me, you can find me on on my website, generativeleadershipgroup.com and Tom Hardison on LinkedIn. I love that closing thought. And I too share with my audience, I don't want people to struggle or be stuck. I just met somebody the other day. They found me, they liked what I said, and they believe that I can help them get stuck because we shouldn't be doing this journey alone. It's better with friends. <laughs> Tom, you've been an amazing guest. I am so grateful to have been introduced to you. I just want to say thank you so much, and I do wish you continued success. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.